All right, everybody, welcome to Learning the Tropes. I'm Erin. I'm Clayton. And I'm your romance novel veteran. And I'm the Virgin. And we're your hosts. Hi, Clayton. Hi, Erin. <laughs> so this is a special, very requested episode. Mm-hmm. So we're finally tackling Bridgerton. Yes. <laughs> so we'll be, so it's season two. We are going to be coming to you guys every two episodes. Um, so that's what's to expect. I don't know sort of the pacing yet of how we'll be releasing them, but that's what we're going to be doing. We'll eventually get to all eight episodes. Yes. Um, how should we kick it off, Clayton? So what were your, should we talk about like, what were your expectations going into this or? I mean, I think if anybody listens to the minisodes and Mm -hmm. you may not, so I can sum up how I feel about Bridgerton. I am not a fan of it. Yeah. I was not looking forward to doing this. I still am not looking forward to doing this after watching the first two episodes. Mm Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's for me. Yeah. Uh, what was your What is your thoughts going into the second season? Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair too because also you've talked about not being a huge fan of period things, a period like film and TV, and that's like firmly what this is. Yes. Um, my, like, you know, I think we, the cat's out of the bag that we were, we had hoped for more from season one. And I was really interested going into the season to see how, like what changes were made or, um, you know, it's, it's a different person's story. And a lot of the Things that I think they had to set up in season one, I was hoping they would kind of not have to rehash in this season. And I will say, you know, so this week or sorry, this episode, we're recapping episode one and two. So episode one, capital R rake and episode two off to the races. Um, And let's talk about episode one first. So I do feel like episode one had me worried (laughs) Yes. It wasn't it it was so odd and it felt like so much of a rehash of season 1 and I still don't understand this diamond bullshit that didn't ex- like didn't exist in the books at all other than like you would just say like oh she's the prettiest girl in the season the same way that like in high school you'd be like oh she's the most popular girl in school but it wasn't something that was like officially bestowed on someone. Yeah. And I find it so off-putting and strange. Well, also it's an addition because there was no queen in any of the books. Yeah. It's really just and a I, function of the queen needs to deem somebody this and that uh, if it's not being adhered to, she is getting upset. Right. Yeah, I also, this is just a general, this is a general complaint to TV makers, especially not the TV, the people who make the actual TVs, the televisions, (laughs) people who create the shows for television. 
mm-hmm. stick to a runtime. I don't yeah. care if you have the freedom to make things longer or shorter. Make them a specific running time. That has been the case forever. Creative people need limitations. Things are better sometimes when they are given borders Mm -hmm. in order to work inside. I saw that this first episode was like 70 plus minutes and I was irate from the jump. And I'm looking at the run times and they're all over the place. Don't give me the excuse that some stories take longer and some stories. No. Plot it out so that each episode is a specific time. Mm -hmm. That annoys me more than anything when it comes to, quote unquote, prestige television. You know, if Cheers can do all they need to do in 22 minutes every time, then so can you. Yes. Yeah. I think the economy of storytelling is something that's like important. And I do think it's becoming a lost art. I agree. It even happens in Uh, shows like Curb Your Enthusiasm, because I've had this conversation mm -hmm. with Pat, where he's like, I love watching Curb. But when I see an episode that is 50 minutes long, it's too much Curb. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, That's that's, that's that's my initial issue with this and also yeah this first episode did not need to be longer it was so flabby there was so much and whoever directed this first episode it was like any time that they're like how should i signal that a character is going through something stressful should i just tilt the camera 45 degrees like tilt it Mm -hmm. it was so much bizarre camera work i didn't understand I mean, those were the big things that were like the knocks for me. I did not like the diamond stuff. I just find it like tedious and boring and reductive. Yeah. And I had this conversation with a friend last night about women's choices. And I think the thing that happens sometimes when people try to modernize these stories or people who don't have kind of any understanding of what these things were like they're like, oh, it's very frivolous. And the marriage mart is very frivolous. And it's like, it is, it is silly. It, it is silly because obviously you're reducing women to who, who they're supposed to marry and just, you know, um, it, and that is sad. But it's like when, when you're talking about a time where like women legally can't own things, like they legally can't even own their own children. They don't have any rights. And everything, they're like prosperity, what kind of life they'll have, um, what kind of life their children will have. Will they be happy or will they be with somebody who hits them? Because if they are, there's no leaving that person. And how dire the straits were, it drives me crazy then when everyone is just like, isn't this so silly? Isn't it so fluffy? Shouldn't we just marry for love? And it's like, there's no kind of understanding of like, uh, this literally is life and death to some people. Like this is very, very serious. And it's like, if you, and not that you can't have lightness in that. And obviously not that there weren't people who, who didn't marry and didn't want to marry, but there's something about how flippant they view this and the diamond of the first water. It's like, 
if if the culture and society is set up in that way, and then you have the queen, so the most powerful woman in the country, just going around anointing somebody, like that's sadistic and, and really fucked up. Yeah. That she just picks somebody every season is like, you're the most important person. This thing that is like so stressful that these women have to go through at like a very young age. And it also just makes me think that like, oh, so the queen is like a petty, cruel bitch mm-hmm. who is under who doesn't understand her power, who doesn't have any power. Cause it's like, this woman had a shit ton of children. Her husband was insane. Her son, who couldn't who wasn't even like 18 yet was kind of half running the country. And it's like, and you're worried about who Lady Whistledown is? Like, you're stupid. This is petty. This is like so far beneath what like a queen should be doing. I don't know. All like that whole runner of a story absolutely drives me bonkers. And I can't overstate how much I hate it. Yeah, because, I mean, who you marry as a woman in these times, like you've said, Mm -hmm. it's your livelihood. That is your that is what will keep you alive, keep you, uh, you know, housed, keep you safe. All these different things that uh, were important back then, all this could be used as a source of tension so that when somebody makes a decision to marry for love, the stakes are so high. Right. And to have characters, like you said, be like, oh, it's it should be it shouldn't be like this. It should be like this. It's so frivolous. It's like, well, it should be, but it's not. And so you need to have those stakes here. Because I don't know what this show is supposed to be. Is it supposed to be a drama? Is it 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 the tone of it is so all over the place? Because it's mm-hmm. not like it's a soap like Virgin River. Okay, we're Virgin River fans. I love Virgin River, but I understand that is a soap opera, mm-hmm. and with that comes tropes and comes you know some form of ridiculousness. In the sense of, you know, we had twins in it and we have, <laughs> uh, 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 you know, pregnancy, like hidden pregnancies and all those, you know, all the nice, fun, romantic tropes. What is this show? Is it supposed to be fun? Is it supposed to be dramatic? Because it's neither to me. Yeah. I, yeah, tonally it's everywhere. And I just... The other part, and then I do want to talk about like the things that I liked about it. But the other part that I find confusing is, and listen, there's nobody in this world who loves Julie Andrews more than me. She is an icon and she's perfect. I don't understand why she's still doing the voiceover if we know Penelope is whistled down. Yeah. And I think it just doesn't make sense. I think they pulled the cat out of the bag too soon with whistle down. Yeah. Because Whistledown isn't revealed until the third or the fourth book, correct? It was whatever book we read first. Fourth book, I think. Yeah. So, okay. I get not revealing it. I mean, you can't reveal it at the end of the fourth season. I get that. But to reveal it at the end of the first season... I guess they they were thinking, well, in case we get canceled, people will know who it is. I kind of get that. But now with 
like Eloise is, you know, doing her detective work, which I love Eloise. She's the one bright spot in this whole show. Oh, yeah. She's great. But, I mean, it's kind of like we know who it is. Like, mm-hmm. she's got to know sometime sooner. She's going to seem really stupid. Yeah. And I, and also, it's like, it, this wasn't like a regular network show. Like, they knew they weren't going to be canceled. It, it just seemed like such a ridiculous... And, it, and it's not like the buildup of who is Lady Whistledown was so big that we were like, we, like, freaking, who is Kaiser Sose? Who is Lady Whistledown? Like, it, it wasn't even something that I think people needed to to know at that stage. Mm-hmm. Like I'm fine with mo- like, obviously you have to change the books and I, I'm not like against that. And, but it's like, just like from a dramatic point of view, it was like, I don't understand what we gain from knowing it's Penelope at the end of the first season. And then this season we just see her kind of like running around. We don't know much of like her character, who she is, which is something that I feel like you do get from all of the books and then her book, and then when it is revealed, like, oh, and she's been dealing with this, it's a bigger moment. I also think there's not enough of an idea, like, Whistledown needs to be more cutting. Yes. Or we need to see more of a fallout from the information she reveals. Because right now, she's just kind of narrating a nice story and just saying, like, the queen says this one is the prettiest one. And it's like, cool. Like, we kind of all knew that. I don't understand why we need to be reading Whistledown. Like, what are the ramifications of gossip? Yes, she needs to be talking so much shit about everybody. Right. That then it's like dangerous that she's not been revealed because she's saying this information that is having these like big effects. And it's just like there's been none. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's it's not being handled well. No, and I do think it's interesting because – Gossip, you know, if this is obviously a female-centric and a female-forward story, should be anyway. Um, and, and we're talking about, like, the agency of women and how in the marriage mart women don't have agency. The way that Penelope gains agency is through gossip, which is the way that, like, a lot of women gain agency and you gain information and it's a bonding thing and, like, gossip is very important. And it's so strange to me or it, it just feels like a missed opportunity to then not have Penelope gain agency through through this gossip or show the darker side of it or what the fallout is. Because right now, I'm like, if Penelope reveals herself, what's the problem? Mm-hmm. Like, why, why, like, that she's Lady Whistledown, what does it mean? Well, she did you anger know? the queen because of, of her Whistledown writing about how you know, it, it should be it, it, women should be judged by things other than their appearance and stuff like that, which angered the queen, right? Yeah, because the queen is such a petty bitch. Yeah, so there's a little bit of 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 stakes there now, but I know mm-hmm. what you mean. It's not like all of my family will hate me. My best mm-hmm. friend will hate me. The yes. the boy I love will know. That I love him, you know, those kind of Mm -hmm. things. Yeah. And then it's so obvious because anytime someone mentions Lady Wilson, she's like, oh, do you think she's smart? Oh, do you think she's funny? And it's like, is Penelope this dumb? Like, she has to also, like, be like, oh, that I don't agree with her that she said that or something. Yes, she's got to be canny about it. Yeah. You're tipping your fucking hand. Yeah. Um, 
also, I will bef- say, well, before sorry. before you say what you like, uh-huh. I I watched these two episodes and I felt like I needed to go to the doctor because I was having serious face blindness with the two Bridgerton brothers. They do look very similar. I, I, yeah. I was I, – and I'm not even joking. Like this isn't being hyperbolic because I feel like I can be very honest with our – the, the people who listen to this podcast, I really uh-huh. thought that I was uh, I was having some sort of mental problem because I kept getting them confused and that s- never happens to me. And I was getting actually scared. <laughs> oh, no. No, I really was. <laughs> I was like seriously like, oh, oh, I might I might need a brain scan. You don't need a brain scan. They do look very similar. I think that's... And they're so boring. And they have no charisma. I... Okay. Here's where we're going to disagree. So, obviously, as everybody knows, the main characters, like, the main uh, um, love story this season is going to be Anthony and Kate Sharma. I will say I do really like Jonathan Bailey, who is playing Anthony. I think he does have charisma, and I think he's doing a very good job of having charisma with both sisters, which is, like, very necessary for the plot, Mm -hmm. you know? And um, I am liking the central love story. And I do like the stakes that are set up. And, like, frankly said, uh, Kate and Lady Danbury have a conversation where she's like, here's why it is so important for my sister to marry. Yeah. And you get it. And you get her motivation in a way that, like, you don't get, understand many characters' motivation in this store, in this, like, series. Yes. But I feel like Kate is very well done. I don't I, I should have looked up who was playing everybody, but I think whoever's playing Kate is doing a fantastic job, as well as Edwina. And I do think like the three of them are really carrying the season and doing a great job. Yeah. And I'm enjoying that story. And I actually like, you know, we just watched the first two episodes and then I stopped and I would have kept going. Like I am definitely enjoying this series this season more than the first season. I think for us to get to the first episode we were like enjoying in the first season, I think it was like episode four or five. Here I'm like, episode two I thought was a vast improvement over episode one. And I genuinely like was having a good time and liked it. Yeah. I mean, I can't say that I was ever having a good time, but I will agree uh-huh. that the second episode was so much better than the first. Yeah. I just think it's hard because they're juggling so many characters and I understand you have to do that with a TV show. It can't be the way the books are where it's Mm -hmm. book focuses on this exclusively this couple with a little bit of periphery. They're trying to create they're trying to create storylines that are going to reverberate and set up romances that are going to pay off in a larger way than they do in the books where Mm -hmm. sometimes in the books it's like. So-and-so meets so-and-so, and and then we know, oh, this next book is going to be them. But we don't have to get too much into it because we know we're going to have a whole book about them. Yeah. And TV's just different. And so I can't hold it to the standard of it's not like the books because they're two different things. But, yeah, if it focuses on this central love story, it might 
be interesting for me. But mm-hmm. uh, number one, just the queen is I can't like they I just don't care about what she wants and what she thinks and her whims and her pettiness. It's to me just pointless. And I, she's if, such if a she driver. Taken out. She's such yeah. a driver of action in this show. And it's annoying. Mm-hmm. Because. Again, it's not the books, but it's fundamentally against what these books usually have, which is no queens. And there's a reason for it. And I and there are books that like a peripheral like will have royalty in them kind of, but rarely on the page. And if there is a king or a queen on the page, it is like pretty sparing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the sort of thing People are too familiar with her. She's around too much. Yes, I'm she just should like, be above it all. Run this country. Like, what the hell are you doing? Like, she's, she, it just devalues her where it's like, and this is nothing against the actress. Like, the actress is doing her best. Like, what is she supposed to do? But like, if she was used really sparingly, and then like when the queen was around, it was like a big deal, then it would be, okay, then then I understand that. But instead, she's just, like, always there. So I'm like, oh, yeah, and nobody seems to give a shit that the queen is there. Yeah. So why should I give a shit the queen's It there? should be that if you see the queen, you are fucked. Yeah. Or you're getting knighted or something. Like, you know, something mm-hmm. either spectacularly great is going to happen to you or something spectacularly bad is going to happen to you. And she's just hanging out. Yes. I I need the queen to disappear from this series. And I do think it would get so much better if she just stopped mm-hmm. and we did not ever see her again. There is no point. It just creates this external problem that is separate from what should be the actual thrust of this show. Which is how, right. as a woman... Can you marry for love in a time when marriage is a contract? Mm -hmm. Right? That's what the thrust of this should be. And it's not. Right. And it should just be about, like, Kate dealing with the dilemma of falling in love with her her sister's fiancé. Yes. Basically. Sister's boyfriend. You know? And that is needs to be the drama. And like, I'm cool with other, like, like we said, we love Eloise, like her adventures. Like, I don't mind spending time with side characters. I think if we only saw Kate and Anthony and that was it, like it would be suffocating. Like we do need to take a break, but I, yeah, it can't be the queen. Um, And they need to be like the focus that needs to be like, Everybody's story needs to almost be a reflection of their story Mm -hmm. and it's not happening. And that's why I think it feels very like discombobulated and not like a cohesive story. And then then you have the Featherton situation happening where there's a new master of the house and they thought it was going to be an old gross dude and it's a young dude, but he's still, he like moved everything. He moved Lady Featherton's stuff out of her bedroom. I think that's like, I don't mind that storyline. I do think it's interesting too that like 
he's a young, handsome guy and that he's nice. Like he's nice to them. He's nice to Penelope. I think the, the obvious thing would to be have him come and be like an ogre and start trying to boss him around. But yeah. it is interesting to see Lady Featherington who is like conniving and, you know, can is like supposed to be a bit of a villain. See her go up just like a, against like a nice guy who has so much more power than she does. And I, that is like an interesting dichotomy. That is like an interesting story to watch. Like that's a, that's something that's different from the books. And I love it. And I think that's like a nice, good addition and it's interesting and it adds something to Penelope's story. Um, And it's just also just like an interesting thing to watch. So I'm like down with that. I think that's really fun. I mean, there are definitely aspects that I think are interesting and I am excited to keep watching. Like, like we said, episode one was a total slog. I think episode two was much more fun. Um, the interplay of them, like watching the race and him getting his friend to talk to Kate and then sneaking in there. And that was like pretty light and fun. And I was into it. Mm -hmm. And then also him, uh, at the little concert first trying to pass off Benedict's poem as his own and then stopping. I thought that was interesting and that was cool. And that really did show something about his character and showed him to be an upstanding person and signaled a lot about who he was as a person. And then I loved the moment like she's, um, Edwina is like overcome with emotion and she goes over to Anthony and he's like surprised that she's there because he really tried to do something honest and he didn't know how it was going to go. And I thought that was really lovely too. So there are these moments that are like really fantastic. I'm at least excited to keep watching and I'm sorry, Clayton. No, it's, and I hate to be a brat about it. It's just the the episodes are so long. They just don't need to be this long. Like, I feel like if they made it 12 episodes and made everything a half an hour, it'd be so much better. I just think, I just think an hour, like 50 minutes, an hour, 70 minutes, it's just too long. It's too long. But I agree because I do think like as TV watchers, we now trained ourselves to 30 minutes or an hour. And so it's like, you feel it like, okay, it's been, you know, the 45 minutes that this episode should be. And then you're like, well, what else is happening? I don't know. Like, I understand what you're saying there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to how the story plays out. Like, I do think they're doing a great job with the love triangle. And I think that story is super, super strong. And obviously, like, that is what we're here for. So I am excited to see how it continues. Um, Penelope sneaking around, Eloise trying to find, I mean, like the thing that's funny about Eloise is she thinks she's very smart and she thinks that she's like cunning and she's just not. And those are my favorite kind of characters. I realized that just the people who think that they got it all and they're like one step ahead and they're 12 steps behind. (laughs) Yeah. But I hope, I hope it doesn't get to the, like I said, it, it can't get to the point where she's just so stupid. Cause that's not fun either. No, I, do I don't think, think she's at that point now. Or do you think that she's getting to the point where she's no, just stupid? I think they're going to have – I think she's going to have to figure it out very soon. Yeah. Right. In the next two episodes, I wouldn't be surprised if she doesn't figure out who it is. Maybe. You know? Because yeah. you can't have that go on for so long to the point where it's like, how does Lois Lane not know that 
Clark Kent is Superman just wearing glasses. Yeah. You know? I do I do think that there is something that is interesting about the Penelope and Eloise story that Eloise has a little bit of unexamined... I, I think that in a way that she probably wouldn't admit to herself does think that she is a little bit better than Penelope. Oh, a hundred percent. And so it's going to really, it's going to really, it's really going to fuck with her when she finds Uh out that Penelope is Lady Whistledown. Well, I think that's part of the reason why it is like Penelope is able to keep this from her because I think like it's literally never crossed Eloise's mind that Penelope could be the more interesting friend or the more talented friend. I think Eloise probably really likes the situation as it is where like Eloise is from this like big family. She's conventionally very attractive. Not that, not that Penelope isn't, but you know what I mean? Sort of like within the confines of the story, the way it's being set up uh, is traditionally attractive and, and has all these gifts. And I think that there's something about somebody who is just surrounded by that kind of those kinds of things that they won't they'll kind of take pity on somebody else but they won't think much of them so i don't i don't think it's like necessarily like a lois lane thing but i do think it makes sense that eloise wouldn't even think of penelope as being somebody who could be more interesting than her or more Mm -hmm. engaging than her and i think and the thing that kind of uh, I do think it'll be interesting because, like, obviously Penelope and Colin are going to get together, um, you know, their season. And it, and I think it will be really interesting to see how Eloise reacts to that because I don't see her being just like, oh, great, now we're sisters. Or I hope they don't do that. I think it'd be much more interesting to see her, like, really struggle mm-hmm. uh, with it. And I um, And they are also already setting up Colin – in his travels and trying to write and not being a good writer. And I also think that's like something very interesting. That's very tough to confront that. I hope that they also keep because I think that's also like a very real thing, you know? Yeah. But yeah. Well, we'll continue to watch. <laughs> We're going to keep watching. Um, thanks so much for your, your patience guys. Um, and I guess we will see you next time. We will be watching episodes three and four. Yes. Should we do the whole shebang of how to get in touch with us and everything? Or uh, Look at our show notes. <laughs> I think Everything's down there. It's so much yeah. to make you do that every time. If, there, if, you're, if you really want to find us. I mean, how did you find us to listen to this if you didn't know how to look? I know. If you just searched British in season two recaps, welcome. Subscribe. I think there's a lot here for you that you're probably going to enjoy. Um, if you want to, you know, leave us a little review. That's fantastic. You can email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. Those are the biggies, I think. That's the big one. I think that's the big one. Yeah. Because, yeah, that's the big one. We've got the Facebook troop. You can join that if you want. Mm-hmm. Instagram you know learning the tropes so any of that stuff go for it if you want to or if you just want to dip in and dip out listen i I, i'm complaining about i don't have enough time to watch this bridgerton if you don't have time to listen to us then that's okay too (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but I'm you're not, finding the time. I'm not sitting here hard selling people. <laughs> Listen, you like us, stick around. And if you don't, you know, good good on you. And, we'll and keep it to yourself. <laughs> oh, don't tell us if you don't like us. No, that would be so mean. We're very thin-skinned. We're two very thin-skinned Leos. You can't give us any credit. Yes, you can't. You need to stroke. You just you need to stroke our paws. Exactly. I mean, unless we do something seriously messed up, tell us. But if it's just you're not into us, that's you know, it's fine. Yeah. Um. Anyway, guys. So yeah, we will be back soon with episodes three and four. Thanks so much uh, for listening and happy watching. Happy watching. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.